Christians and learn how to successfully fulfill God's design for our lives. So lesson one, of course, is salt and light in the world. And our scripture is Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It is, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost, have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your God which is in heaven. So as we begin this lesson, I first want to ask, if you were over here in the uh, choir room when I first started teaching, you've already heard this. How many remember? Now, don't if you don't remember, don't say it. But if you remember that, raise your hand. So you did. You remember the actual lesson, not that I was over there. Right. Okay. All right. But uh, so we're gonna go. We're gonna do it again. Most of you haven't heard. Uh, this series, but Jesus used these two simple objects and is very well known uh, what salt is and what light is and uh, the comparisons that he uses is very easy to understand. Uh, the lesson goals, are number one, is to know the basic purposes of salt and light and then to understand how salt and light relate to the Christian's responsibility to bring others to the Lord and then to choose to be a savory Christian who walks close enough to the Lord to reflect his light. And that's what we want to do is to understand. Uh, yeah, if you didn't get one, uh, he's passed me out. I guess you just didn't get one, brother. You got you got the lessons, right? Yeah. Anybody else need one? Kenneth needs one. Okay. That's a, no, that's no problem. I should have asked to make sure everybody had one. Thank you. Uh, but you can, you can live good and do right and not do wrong and not be safer. You can do it in such a manner that people will not be attracted to it. And you can live where you are attracted, but you don't live right. But you need to put the two together. You need to live right, but present it to the world in such a way that it attracts them uh, to come to Christ. So first, uh, we're going to, we'll study about salt, and then we'll study about light. We'll read these verses again and listen to what uh, it says here in Matthew. Ye are the salt of the earth. <coughs> but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. So <coughs> if Christians aren't being salty, if they aren't, uh, living a life to attract others to Christ, 
What good are we? That's what we're here for. That's the reason God left us here is to attract others to him. <clears throat> you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see you. Know that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And you might do things, uh, biblical things, Christian things. Uh, you may do it to be seen and people may see some things, uh, may see the Lord through it. But if you do it so that they'll see the Lord, they'll see the Lord a whole lot better. Some people will, most people will eventually realize if you're doing it to be seen, they'll realize it and you, you'll, you'll lose your savor. So our Lord often used these, uh, used illustrations to teach great truths and these two are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Uh, both are, uh, work a beneficial change and they make a positive difference. God desires us to make a positive difference with a lasting impact for his glory. Not that people remember who we are, but people remember who we live for, who saved us. Likewise, the qualities of light and salt in the lives of Christians should be manifested and not hidden. Now, if we're saved, we have what's necessary to lead others to Christ, to show others to Christ, to live for Christ, to light their way, but we can't live a hidden life. He wants us to make a, a difference, do, go, going about and doing good, and we do that by following in his steps. 1 John 4.17 says, As he is, so are we in this world. And so if we'll just live like Jesus did when he was here. Now, we don't do miracles that Jesus did, but we live like he did and live holy. They'll see him through us. So first lesson is salt. Of course, we understand what salt is. And, of course, the first thing we uh, always, I guess, think about is salt on the food. And I don't eat a lot of salt. I don't like a lot of salt. Some people like a lot of salt, and some people like more than that. <laughs> Some people salt everything. When I say everything, I just mean everything. And uh, now Sheila's mom, when Sheila was growing up, she used a lot of salt because her dad, Sheila's dad, liked a lot of salt. And when we first got married, she used a lot more salt than she uses now because when you eat a lot of salt, you have to eat more salt to taste the salt. But if you'll try to cut back a little bit, and cut back a little bit, you really realize that you've just been adding salt to taste the salt. I don't know if that's coming out right or not. Uh, but I can remember uh, when we first got married and we went to Kentucky Fried Chicken and she put salt on Kentucky Fried Chicken. And how many herbs and spices does it have? 11 or 13, whatever it's got. And I said, you added another one. I said, it's already in there. Uh, but, but it was because... That's just how, you know, that's how she was raised to eat. Is you just put, you just went ahead and soft everything. But she didn't do anything like her dad did. I mean, he just, 
I don't care what you put in front of him. You picked salt shaker up, everything on the plate was salted. Everything on the plate had pepper put on it. But anyway, we need to be salty Christians. Now then, I don't suggest that you eat that much salt, but it ain't not, wouldn't, be, wouldn't hurt to be that salty as a Christian, that everything in your life gets a little salt, gets a little Christian savor to it, that people can see Christ through you. In Matthew 5, our Lord used salt to illustrate the effect his people should have on this world. As we examine its qualities, we can gain more understanding of his word. So as we're going to talk a little about salt to see uh, just what Jesus was talking about so maybe we could be even better understand, although salt and light are very uh, simple things to uh, talk about and think about, they're also got some, they're really complex uh, salt is used as pres salt preserves. Uh, the goal of preservation is twofold, to seal in the good and to shut out uh, the bad. I guess when what I know most about salt uh, growing up, uh, it was when you kill hogs, you kill them in the wintertime so, uh, so it doesn't spoil. Uh, but then you put the salt on there to preserve it, and you don't have to have it refrigerated at all. You can just leave it out. You don't want it to get super hot, I don't guess, but it, the salt will preserve the food whether you have refrigeration or not. I mean, used to, that's what people had to do because they didn't have refrigerators and so forth and, and such things to keep things preserved. Nehemiah 13, 16 records the story of men of Tyre who brought their fish to sell in Jerusalem. The distance from Tyre to Jerusalem as a crow flies is about 100 miles. So you could imagine if you caught a fish and you was on a fast donkey <laughs> for 100 miles, it'd take a while to get there. And no one would want to eat a fish that was not preserved in some way after it traveled that distance. But they put put it in salt, and it preserved it. And then when it got there, it could be uh, sold uh, and kept, kept good where it could be eaten. In early days of America, settlers used salt to preserve meat. They didn't have grocery stores. And people still do that to some degree because people like that country ham taste, right? They like to eat that country ham. Uh, we live in an evil world today, and they ne we need the salt of God's word. We need to be salty so they see something that's different, something they're going to gain. Uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah, in spite of the rapid wickedness in Gomorrah, if ten righteous people could, Ten righteous people could have preserved those cities from the wrath of God. So it doesn't take a lot of salt, but we must have some salt. And it, you say, well, <clears throat> there's just not enough Christians, but there are enough Christians if we'll just be salty. In Roman times, salt was uh, so important that sometimes soldiers were actually paid in salt. If you could imagine that. 
we wouldn't think that too much payment today because salt is too easily available to us. But I would expect in some parts of the world, uh, salt is more valuable than it is here because you can't get it. Mark 9 and 50 says, Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its saltness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. So we see that preservation of the salt, preservation of the word of God preserves us and it keeps us from sin. It keeps us from sin and it keeps your testimony from spoiling. James 1, we've got several verses here, James 1 and 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to keep himself unspotted from the world. So what good does it do to come to church and read the Bible and pray if you live like everybody else? There has to be, it should change you. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The salt of the word of God will preserve your heart to do right. Psalm 34.13, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. 1 Timothy 6.20, keep that which is committed to thy trust. 1 Timothy 5.22, neither be partaker of men's sins, keep thyself pure. 1 John 5.21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. So to keep, to preserve, to, to keep from spoiling is what the word of God does for us. And then not only that, but salt purifies Salt water purifies by killing germs. This is why gargling with the warm salt water helps uh, your throat. No matter what you're doing, God expects us to have a purifying influence. We should, our lives should help to purify the lives of people around us and does that by the way that we live. Do people that normally have foul language change their conversation when you're around. There's this one guy at work. I, I'll just say, I won't tell you what he said. <laughs> I won't tell you what he says. But somebody said this to him, and three of us, me and two other guys. And he said, Tell Jimmy what you said about something. And I said, And I've been trying to think of a way to get him to change the way he talks. And I said, I don't know what he said, but I guarantee you he was cussing when he said it. That's just, that's the way he talks. I, he can't say two sentences without cussing. It just, it just flows out. It just flows out. But I do know that some people, when they're around me, they, they change their uh, words. They don't say things that they say. I can hear him in another room or away from me talking. And, then the, and I'm, not, I'm not bragging on me. I'm just saying that if, if you live a Christian life, you will see that very same thing. If you mention God, if you talk about God, if, if you uh, let people know that you attend church, if you let people know that you're saved, uh, then it will change the way some of them act around you. Not all of them. Some of them will do just the opposite and do worse. 
uh, but you are at least getting their attention. You are being salty and showing light to them. As Christians, we are purified through time spent with God in his word. So God's word purifies us. The more time you spend in God's word, the more pure you will live. It just it rubs off. It gets in, it gets into your being. Exodus 34 and 29 through 35 tells us about the face of Moses glowed when he descended from Mount Sinai, and he didn't even realize it until they told him. So it's not something that he was doing for show. He couldn't have made it do that, but just being with God. Being with God's word will make us shine to this world. Peter and John were changed men because of their intimacy with the Lord. Acts 4 and 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So they didn't get this because they, they, didn't, they weren't able to preach like they did because uh, they were uh, educated men and been to... Been to uh, higher education, but they had been with Jesus, and they knew that's the only way they could do that. And when we live for God, people see that the only way, the only thing, or they have to at least ask what makes them different. Why do they live that way? And eventually, if you're random enough, they'll know that it's because you know God. In the uh, when. Paul was in jail, the, uh, and the earthquake came, and Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas uh, were there suffering, uh, and the earthquake came, and the chains fell off. Uh, they were a purifying influence in jail. The, re the rest of the prisoners even stayed. I don't fully under understand that, because... They could have left. They didn't leave. Paul, Paul didn't leave. Silas didn't leave. Uh, the Philippian jailer would have been killed. But they all stayed. And the Philippian jailer got saved because of what he saw in them. It's hard to take that which is dirty and use it to make something clean. When you wash dishes, you don't start with dirty water. When you wash your car, you don't start start with a dirty rag or dirty water. So how are we going to make the world live better if we don't live clean lives ourselves? God's word purifies and cleanses us so that we can live a life so others can see that. Not to see us, but to see what God can do for us. In Titus 2.14, we read, Our Lord gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purified of himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Now, we know we're supposed to do good works, but that word, it says we are to be zealous of good works. Now, zealous comes from the same root word that jealous comes from. We should be jealous of our good works. We should... Make, an, make sure that we make an effort. If you are jealous of something, you pay, better, you pay attention to it. And so we need to pay attention to our good works and make sure that we do them. 
James 4 and 8 reminds us, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Proverbs 4, 23 says, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. So the more that we keep our heart and mind clean, the more purifying influence we are to the world. It's like uh, anytime you clean something, you don't just try to clean it with water, right? You use some type of detergent or some type of uh, sanitizer to clean it with so it doesn't come back. If you just try to clean something with water and it's dirty or if it's molded or it's grimy, you might get it all off, but it's going to come right back, right? Because you didn't, you didn't really get it all away unless you use something to sanitize it. But not only does it preserve, but salt pleases. Without salt, a lot of foods would taste bland. And I said some people like more salt, but still most people like a little salt. Job 6 and 6, can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt, or is there any taste in the white of an egg? Now, I know that uh, the way that uh, people... Doctors and everybody's telling us to eat now. They say, eat the egg white, eat the egg white, eat the egg white. Well, it does fill you up. I don't know if it does much for you that. If you eat enough of it, it'll fill your stomach up. But it's not a lot of flavor there, is it? We're talking about eating a lot of salt, and, and it, we do it because that's what we like. If you didn't like salt, you wouldn't probably wouldn't be adding too much to it. Uh, a lot of uh, things that I'm not going to shake garlic salt on my food. I won't use any of it. None. Not at all. She's got some of it in the cabinet. If she never cooked with it, it'd be all right. And I do know you can put a little bit of little bit of little bit of it in something and make it taste better. But I don't like it, so you're not going to see me. But people do like salt, and people put salt on a lot of different things. And there's one illustration in this book. It says that in the lesson it talks about people even put add salt to French fries from McDonald's and it you don't if you've never been out west, you've never been to an In N Out burger. It says they even add salt to those. Well In N Out has double to me, has double the salt of McDonald's. I mean it's just it's just salty. And when, I, when I've been out there, I haven't eaten there much because it just to me it just tastes so salty. But a lot of people like salt, and that's the reason, because it pleases. So when we're salty, we need to be pleasing. When we're trying to be salty, we can't force things down somebody's throat. So we need to use our words appropriately, saying the right thing at the right time. When people need a smile or a kind word, they can, can they count on you for it? Do they expect that type of talk out of you? Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Verse, Proverbs 15, 23, a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. So, we can, just by simply saying the right thing at the right time, 
And that, that's not always easy to do, but we should make an attempt to do that. The Lord, uh, Isaiah 50 and 4, The Lord hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. God wants us to do it. He wants us to help people. Sometimes you might not be able to help them financially. You might not be able to help them physically do anything for them, but simply speaking a kind word to them. Words can be very strong. We uh, used to say growing up, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Sometimes words hurt more than sticks and stones do. You don't get bruised from them, but you get hurt on the inside from words. Uh, words can be used for uh, dis destructive purposes and constructive purposes. Uh, Germany in World War II was led to war mostly by the words of Adolf Hitler because he understood how to influence people to get done what he wanted to get done. He would gather mass crowds in late at night and just blare out to them uh, how bad Germany had been treated and what Germany needed to do. And they, he did it so strongly and so repetitively, and, and he didn't do just how to do it. And he turned that nation against uh, the world, basically, and especially against uh, the Jews. But then on the other hand, Winston Churchill knew how to do the exact same thing for constructive purposes. And in 1940, when uh, before the United States even entered into World War II, England was basically the last stronghold left in Europe. But he encouraged and rallied the people of England through words. The words that come out of our mouths are flavored by the condition of our hearts. So we have to condition our hearts with the word of God. Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. There, there's just so many illustrations in the Bible that tells us about salt and about how to have a salty life we're going to pick up with D uh, next week and uh, but just think about the words that you use you can use, choose words that will help and not hurt and we'll say more about that next week I think I've got some more down here Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come. We thank you, Lord, for Pastor being back today. Look forward, Lord, to the word of God to be preached. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.